This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. Well, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart. So excited that you're here with us this week. Today, of course, the Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, and we just feel so honored to have a voice into your world, into your leadership. If you lead, but you're not in charge, if you serve a vision bigger than yourself, then Leading Second is for you. So welcome to your new tribe today. So glad you're here. And today we are continuing a series of conversations on millennials in ministry. I'm so passionate, so excited about this topic and what we're going to talk about today. You're going to love some of the space that we get into. Maybe a little unexpected from what you, uh, I guess, maybe would have thought, but I'm so excited for you to hear it today and dive into, I think, a really important conversation that we need to be having. But as is our custom here on the Leading Second Podcast, we like to crowdsource our first segment. And today we had a great question come in from a listener of the podcast that we wanted to tackle. So uh, let's check out what is on the mind of another leading second leader. The greatest challenge I experience in leading someone else's vision is trying to decipher their vision from my different perspective. In other words, how do I adapt and apply their vision to my area of responsibility? Well, hey, I loved this question. I wanted to dive into this question for a minute. How do I decipher the vision of my leader when it's different than my perspective? Um, I think I've dealt with this a lot over the years. I, I, I resonate with this question. Let me say a couple things about this today. First, I wanted to, I guess, encourage all of us in the fact that there is strength in diversity that our diversity makes us strong. In other words, you're supposed to be wired differently than your pastor. Uh, of course, you're supposed to be different. The, 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 the goal was never to be a carbon copy. The goal was never to be identical. The goal is to be aligned. So if you feel wired differently and have a different perspective from your leader, all that means is God is just adding you as another layer to the fabric of your church and another layer to the fabric of their leadership. So your difference is not the problem. And thinking differently is not the problem. And having different ideas is not the problem. I think sometime soon I'm going to have my pastor on the podcast here to talk out of a message he's been doing on Joel versus Isaiah. You're going to have to go check that out if you want to see that. But, but people come in different shapes and sizes. Of course, you're supposed to be different, but it's what you do with your difference that makes all the difference. The bottom line of leadership is that we work for and serve our pastors. And when it comes down to it, if, if it comes down to doing what they want, and those are the moments where we need to die to ourselves and champion their visions as if it were our own. In other words, if push comes to shove and their idea needs to win out, then it's time to die to yourself. It's time to lay it down, lay it aside, and champion their vision as if it were the best thing you ever came up with personally. In other words, how you do that is, number one, you research it like it were your own. 
You execute it with excellence as if it were your own. You talk to others about it as if it were your own. You, you give toward it and contribute toward it as if it were your own. If it comes down to it and their idea wins, you die to yourself and you lay it down and you champion it as if it were your own. Now, over time, when you do this, you will build trust. And it may very well make a way over time. This is playing the long game now. That over time, it will make a way for your pastor um, to maybe give you some more flexibility, to maybe give you more of a say, to allow you to leave more of your DNA or your imprint on the team. But that comes second. Jesus said, you'll find your life when you lose it. And so when you're willing to lay down yourself and live sacrificially, it's amazing how others will make a way for you. Um, I love this about my own season in my own church with my pastor, that for many, many years I laid me down. I'm wired differently than him. And, and I, I think differently and I feel differently and that's okay. But for years I worked on severe levels of alignment, high levels of alignment. But now, now that I have trust, now that I have a relationship, now I'm actually finding that I'm getting to be me more and I'm getting to do me more. And it's done through a place of celebration and trust um, rather than me forcing my way. But that came second. Bottom line to this answer today, if you're supposed to be where you are, you can die to yourself, but you won't die. In other words, you can die to yourself, you can die to your opinion, you can die to your perspective, and you can still experience a full life of leadership, uh, the full joy of leadership, because you'll find your life when you lose it. And over time, if you're supposed to be there, over time, not only will your gift make room for you, but you'll find that there's better ideas in all of us than there were in me, and, and ministry will go forward and be fruitful even if it were different than your perspective or your idea. If you have a question you'd like to hear us answer here on the podcast, or if you'd like to share your I Am Leading Second story, uh, why don't you email us at leadingsecond at churchforward.co or head to leadingsecond.com. Reach out to us there. Uh, sign our creed while you're there. And we would love to uh, bring you on and feature you on an upcoming episode. Well, today we continue our series on millennials in ministry. And as you know, as I've said previously, I'm particularly passionate about this topic because I feel like a half-breed when it comes to the millennial conversation, meaning uh, my birthday and my graduating class in uh, high school hits right at the dividing line of Gen X and millennial. So I, I've always felt like I felt like I had one foot in each generation. And yet I'm really passionate about what God is doing in this generation that we have referred to as millennial or even following that Gen Z. I just really believe God is positioning this generation, our generation to do something significant, to lead in a really important time. I was recently reading an article on the topic of millennials and, and some different studies on it. And it's really interesting. A pollster named John Zogby said this, what boomers have begun by challenging authority and Gen Xers have fostered the, the attitude of trust yourself over institutions, millennials have driven home in a big way. In other words, um, 
our the generation right now is very driven by the wisdom of the crowds. And if we're not careful, we can really stray and become part of the crowd as millennial leaders. That's why we've used this word in leading second, uncommon, that we're here to raise up uncommon church builders. In other words, to step into, I believe, what God has for you as a church leader in our generation, it's going to take some time standing up against the norm, going against the grain and being an uncommon leader, a rare leader, someone who's ready and willing to step up and lead God's way. And so we just hope these conversations are are helping you. If you are a millennial, if you lead millennials, I pray that it is bringing some needed perspective. Today, we're going to dive into leading in a digital world. And I'm really excited about this because we live in a digital world. And so therefore, we're, we need to lead in a digital world. And we're going to talk about uh, a whole range of subjects from social media to um, even our own personal conduct, to leveraging uh, social media for the sake of the gospel. So I just really believe it's going to help you uh, today in the spaces in which you lead. And uh, anyways, we're just going to have this, I believe, really rich, really great conversation today on leading in a digital world. So uh, lean into this, uh, explore this with us. I believe this is going to help you in your life and your leadership. All right. So today I am joined uh, with a panel of people. Actually, we thought we would do something different on uh, this episode today. I am joined with some very good friends of Leading Second. So excited to have this conversation today. First of all, um, I'm joined by Nicole Smithy, uh, who is the co-founder and CEO of Iridescent Women. Uh, Nicole, give us a quick shout. Hi, I'm so excited to be a part of this conversation today. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, and uh, we love what you are doing. Of course, you're also on the team at Liberty Church in New York. Yeah. And um, love your house, love all that you guys are doing. Also joined uh, by Pastor Pace Hartfield, uh, lead pastor of One Place Church in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Say what's up to everybody. Pace? Greetings from the great PNW. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on. Uh, hey, we, we love your church. We actually just did an event at one place recently, and you all are just building something so, so tremendous. Thank you, man. It was a blast and honor. Loved getting to see your team in action. Um, so good. Thank you, man. And uh, finally today, just because I gathered the smartest people I know from across the country, uh, Anna Morgan, who's the executive pastor at City Church Chicago. Say what's up to everybody, Anna. Hey, hey, thanks for having me, Brandon. Good to be with everyone. Thanks for being back. Thanks for always, uh, you, you are among my smartest friends. And so um, <laughs> thank, thank you for always uh, speaking to our world. So today uh, we wanted to have a conversation on leading in a digital culture. This is, of course, a part of our Millennials in Ministry series. And um, I think the reason we felt to lean into this topic today, millennials, of course, are defined by people born after, well, depending on what definition you go by, but I go by born after January 1st, 1981, um, basically defined by people that grew up in their teenage and adult years with the internet. And then, of course, we have Gen Z, kind of another iteration, uh, those born after 1995, who basically grew up um, with social media uh, by the time they were in, uh, middle school, senior high. So we have this generation of young leaders who are now old enough to run for president. 
and old enough to pastor churches and old enough to lead in every sphere of life. And we just feel like as a culture, we need to get some things right as a generation of young leaders who are navigating very unique, very new spaces as leaders. And and no doubt leading in digital spaces is, um, I mean, maybe the defining mark of this generation. So we just want to have a conversation today. We hope it's helpful. Hope it's inspiring and practical at the same time. Um, first of all, I want to open this up and I think Nicole, I'm going to go to you first on this one. We love what you have done with iridescent women over the past, I think year or so. Um, and yeah, it'll be a year in July, year in July. All right. So, um, we love what you have built. Um, why is it important that we as young leaders and church leaders, that we are using digital spaces and influencing others in digital spaces. Yeah, I think it's, it's crucial. Um, you know, our, our job as leaders, I guess, as ministers, all of us is, um, is to be ministers of the gospel and to share the good news and then, and to make disciples. And, um, you know, I, I look at like Jesus would often teach in the synagogue and, Paul would often meet in these gathering places and teach, but it wasn't kind of the way we look at it today. It wasn't like a a sermon, you know, 30 minutes and then here's a salvation invitation. I think the culture at the time in order to learn was to have this real dialogue, like to go back and forth and talk and someone would teach and there would be time to ask questions and reflect and see things from different angles. And it was this real gathering place of ideas and if you look at, and, and, and that was not only where Jesus was, but that was also where, you know, Paul was, where the early church leaders were, this is how they were spreading the good news and creating these bridges of communication that would lead to some really amazing things happening in different pockets and neighborhoods and in different people's lives. And if you fast forward now, it's like, where does that exist? It's in the digital age. Like it's, it's digital, it's media, you know, this is where conversations are happening. This is where people are taking in information now. They're not taking it in the traditional sense of like a, a classroom setting anymore, even though those exist. And yes, they're really valuable. For the most part, our world is being trained to take information in and to converse and decide what they believe and decide their opinions on things um, through social media, through websites, through YouTube, through, you know, this like quick information. And so we need to enter that space. I feel like it's it's part of our mission then to enter the conversation and bring Christ into those conversations. I recently uh, watched a documentary uh, by, about Mr. Rogers. I don't know if you saw it. Like, um, what's it called? Uh, Won't you be my neighbor? It was a documentary yes, song about that. Mr. Yes. Rogers. Okay. Well, the whole time I was like, oh, he was such a brilliant man. Now, this is obviously the, before the digital age, but right. um, but he. This was the TV age, and this is when television was first really being ge- geared towards children. And it wasn't really great. It wasn't being used for really good use. But if you watch the documentary, you see how this man who was a minister stepped in and he used the media of the day where conversations were happening to really um, bring light to places that were really dark and to shape this tool to be something that could be used for good and was able to speak to some really heavy topics with a gospel message, um, with, with message of hope. And, um, I mean, we've all been impacted by Mr. Rogers, but when I watched the documentary, I never understood the brilliance of this man and 
how truly he was a minister. I just thought he was Mr. Rogers, you know, um, uh, that I saw growing up as a kid, but there's a real brilliant side to him and he shaped culture and he impacted a generation because he was willing to step into those spaces. So I think we could learn from that and say, okay, what is the me- medium right now that, that, that the world is, is dialoguing through, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it, you know, we could argue, but regardless, it is the means, it is the mechanism for connection and communication. So we should enter into that space. And I think we want to just go on the record, first of all, and just say, I mean, we we are for using and leveraging every digital space We're you know, we're not going to talk as, as, as 80 year olds here that are anti, you know, everything digital or something, you know, that, that we are, we are for this. We, we believe in this, um, this, this, like you, you just said that so brilliantly, this is the, the, these are the city squares and the town squares of, of today. So, um, but there's some very real traps and there's some, there's some very real downsides to, the space that I think we just want to lean into so that every leader listening to this, you know, in, in several years, you're still standing and healthy and building the church like you're called to do and not giving the enemy any sort of foothold in, you know, these areas of our life. Let's, and anyone can jump in on this one. Let's talk about um, a couple traps I think that maybe exist in the digital space. So let's talk about the comparison trap. Uh, for for a minute with uh, with social media, I think one you you mentioned Mr. Rogers a second ago. What's so interesting about our world today is to be heard. Fifty years ago, you had to have a television contract, and you know someone had to agree to produce your show. But I mean, today anyone can be heard, anyone can go viral, and all you have to do is you know do a TikTok video or a YouTube video or the right social you know Instagram post. And you can be heard. So that's a real marker of this generation is anyone can be heard. But then we can get into, I think, first trap of, of comparison, you know, the trying to get noticed, comparing ourselves among ourselves. Maybe someone can jump in. Why, why is this so dangerous right now, the comparison trap? Well, I mean, the, the push to be heard, um, think about what you have to do to go viral. You have to do something you know, extraordinary. You have to do something that maybe people haven't seen yet. Right. Um, so then that pushes into like drivers, like what's, what's driving you, you know? So, um, which is everything about comparison. So if I'm now, you know, looking at what everyone else is doing and how can I be heard and I want a voice and I want to be a part of the conversation. Um, if my driver in life is just to be heard, if my driver in life is just to, to be a part of the conversation, um, then I'm instead of um, living out my calling, living out the unique way and purpose that God's created me and what he's created me to do. Um, if, if I'm living in that land, great. If, if I'm not, if I'm comparing all the time, I'm looking up to see you know where my voice is not and feeling insecure because my voice is not in there, um, then it, it, it sits you on a... Uh, man, a course of constant insecurity. Totally. You know? I think too, uh, I think about just how if if our, if we're always trying to create these noticeable moments in our life, um, if we're crafting our lives, not just to be lived, like um, Pace was saying, uh, in an obedient way to follow Jesus, but we're living to be noticed, then, you know, how present you know, I think present being present in every moment 
um, can sometimes take a backseat to the image we're trying to project. Who we're we're trying to be online. Yeah. Very, very well said. And then I, 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 um, gosh, I, I have such a, such mixed emotions on this because on one hand, I love utilizing exactly what you just said, Anna, said, Anna, you know, I love us, utilizing social media in moments to share with the world what's going on. But then I can realize I'm one of those people. You ever been at a dinner where you're sitting around and everyone's on their phone and no one's talking to each other? You know, mm-hmm. every everyone's updating their their whatever. And I've been that person <laughs> and I'm trying to yeah. not be that person. Actually, just a little a little life hack here that I've even noticed recently. Um, one powerful thing I did in, in this regard was I turned off notifications on some of my social media. So I, I'm, I still use the platforms, but they're not buzzing my pocket constantly. I just go to it when I remember to go to it. And actually it has saved me a tremendous amount of focus just, just by not having the instant pocket vibration every time someone likes something. So just, I don't know, that was, that was a freebie. Um, I like it. Do Good. I feel like let's lean into this. I feel like, comparison we start seeing um going back to pace's point we start seeing a real rise in anxiety um or depression or um fear you know when 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 you get into the comparison trap of i'm not where i should be and I, i really feel like that can have negative consequences for us for our motivation for our faithfulness for our diligence i mean do you all agree with that that I, I feel like there's a real negative aspect to comparison that 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 shows up in our lives that way. I read a Barna, um, a, a Barna study recently that looked at yeah. this issue in particular with teenagers. And they were talking about how teenagers these days are getting less sleep than before because they're so anxious about what might happen on social media um, while wow. they're asleep. Wow. And so there's just a, such a high level of FOMO and fear about what people might post on their post or whether they're going to look at that post or interact with their post. It just is, a uh, it's a, a little bit crippling for this generation. Wow. Which I think leads us into maybe a second trap. Uh, I can be pretty passionate about this one. I think the, um, the trap of of having everything or experiencing everything on demand, you know, the lack of preparation trap. I think sometimes we see someone post something on social media, it took them 20 seconds to post a very impressive post. And we sometimes don't realize that what took 20 seconds to upload took 20 years to build behind the scenes. You know, that, that that there was a lot that went into that big moment in someone's lives. But we don't see that. We just see the impressive moment. And um, I think we can really, really um, underestimate preparation and overestimate the fact that I should have everything now. I mean, I could I could Uber Eats Thai food right now to the office that I'm speaking at and have it now. So why can't I have the life God intended for me to have now? And I think we can really um, undervalue preparation and um, undervalue um, y- you know just the the unse- faithfulness and the unseen. Moments. Let's lean into that maybe for a second. Um, how 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 is how is this trap of lack of preparation, I guess, showing up in the lives of young leaders today that you guys see? Um, you know, I, I would I would speak to it from an angle of um, 
the dream, you know, so a young leader has a dream and they, you know, they want to be something they want to, they want to have a voice in an area. They want to be a leader. Um, that, that dream occupies the romantic part of their heart. Mm. And so when things get tough, when things aren't instant, when things aren't right now, it's certainly easier to lean towards the dream, you know? So then the challenge in leading a, you know, uh, a person who is always in their dream is they don't realize that the, the place they are in right now is actually developing the character it's to, it has the opportunity to develop the disciplines that they need to see their dream through. And, and so um, helping mm-hmm. them realize that versus going, no, no one's trying to kill your dream. No one's trying to squash the, the, the dream in you. Exactly. But it does take work. It does take commitment. Yeah. It does take discipline. So I, I think it's even, there's, there, it has to come to a point where we help leaders trust another leader with their dream. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, when you were asking that question, um, the word that came to mind was mimic. And what I mean by that is like, I do think that there's a temptation within the whole, like, I want my dream today to then look at what other people are doing through social, um, watch, uh, 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 preaching or teaching that you really respect or, to see somebody's visual, um, you know, uh, of their platform or, you know, just to see certain things. And then the tendency, if you have a similar dream or you want to be there, um, and sometimes fueled by discontentment would be to not take the time to just develop who you are and what God's called you to do and develop the character and develop, um, equally the skills that you've actually been given. Instead, you just mimic what you admire. So I feel like we have, we, we will end up, you know, being a, um, uh, you know, an understudy to somebody else instead of actually just develop what we're Mm -hmm. supposed to. And and I see that, I see that a lot. Um, especially when I'm coaching, um, young communicators and that's actually part of my role at Liberty and, and even beyond, um, you know, sometimes, and I, and this is, you know, contextualized for a person, but if I see them really picking up a habit that I just, I like, no, it's not coming from them. It's not their personality. They don't sound like that off of the platform. They don't, they don't think that way, you know, ask them who they've been listening to and they might, Mm -hmm. you know, name some famous preachers or whatever. Um, and even sometimes like even caught like, Hey, where did you, when did you discover that? Like when, when you were reading that and you built a message around that, where did you get that from? And they're like, Oh, well, I heard this really great sermon. Um, that kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I think we're not taking the time just to spend time with Jesus and grow Mm -hmm. as individuals. I think we can admire what other people bring to the table and we can honor it. And there's always things that we can learn from each other, but there's a difference between learning from somebody and honoring Mm -hmm. somebody and then mimicking them and missing out on who you were actually created to be. And that takes time and that takes process and that takes humility and that takes discipline. And that's like that development process that we're all on and we never grow out of that we have to embrace. But I think that's part of committing to not being um, a second rate version of somebody else. That's so good. I have never heard, I have never heard the term understudy used on that. And I'm officially ripping that off. That was so well said. (laughs) Uh, uh, Don't be an understudy to, to someone else. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our series on millennials in ministry and particularly this episode on leading in a digital 
world. Uh, as you can hear, the conversation was continuing and we're going to be back next week with part two of this same conversation. So I hope you'll, uh, you'll be back. I hope you'll join us and I pray it'll be a blessing to you and a blessing to your team. Uh, if this podcast has resonated with you, I want to encourage you to help us out by becoming a podcast ambassador. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button uh, wherever you happen to be listening to this from. Uh, consider leading a, ra- a rating or a comment and sharing your thoughts with us. We would love to hear from you. Also, if you have a question you'd like to hear answered on the podcast, or if you'd like to submit your I am leading second story, reach out to us on leadingsecond.com or send us an email at leadingsecond at churchforward.co. And we would love to feature you on an upcoming episode. So leading second, we love you. Uh, We believe in you. If you're a millennial listening to these episodes, we just want you to know we are so for you. We are in your corner. I love our generation. I believe God's hand is on our generation to use us in a mighty way for his church, for his kingdom. So uh, consider these episodes as just an investment into the health of our generation of leaders. So Leading Second, we love you. Until next time, uh, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com or join us on the Leading Second Forum on Facebook.